Hi, everyone. Welcome to Extra Help with Inside Schools. I'm Tom Liam Lynch. There's so many questions in the air about what next year will look like in New York City schools. Both the teachers union and the chancellor have signaled recently that some modified model is likely. It might include alternate schedules, sanitation rituals, creative hours, and certainly some version of remote and blended learning. To better understand how teachers are responding to remote learning, I reached out to friends at New Visions for Public Schools to connect me with a teacher uniquely navigating the new landscape. And so they did. Now, for those of you who don't know, New Visions has been designing, creating, and sustaining schools in New York City for over 30 years. At different times, they've acted like almost like their own district supporting their schools. I've had many excellent encounters with New Visions and their teams ever since I started teaching. I can now add to that list a high school math teacher named Caitlin, with whom I recently spoke. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Tom. Welcome to Extra Help with Inside Schools. Before we get started, can you share just a little bit about yourself as a teacher? Sure. Uh, My name is Caitlin Zwicky. I have been teaching for three years now in the New York City Department of Education. I work at the Queens High School for Information Research and Technology in Far Rockaway. And I teach Algebra 1 to primarily ninth graders, but then a repeater course as well. That's great. Thanks so much for that. And like this year so far, it's been like absolutely crazy in terms of some of the things that have happened just in the last few months, I guess, with remote learning in the city. What has your experience been teaching online so far this year? Sure, it has been a whirlwind and I cannot believe that it is May already. Being asked to create a virtual classroom within a week, um, at first I had doubted if it would be successful, but I actually am seeing a lot of success with it with my students and creating new online resources for the first time, learning how to do new activities and playing with different online websites has been really fun and it's been fun getting feedback from my students as well. And online learning has allowed me to have a lot of really great conversations with my students that maybe in class I wouldn't have time to do so. So there's been a lot of positives with it. But at the same time, I've been noticing a lot of struggles with my students who haven't been engaged, who haven't maybe even logged on to Google Classroom yet. Students weren't getting their devices at first. And even some of the devices that students received were older and maybe not connecting to Wi-Fi. So participation has definitely been difficult in this new virtual setting. Can you share a little more about some of those success stories you were talking about in terms of online learning and how you saw your students responding? Sure. So one of the websites that I've been using a lot is Kahoot, which is an online Um, formative assessment tool where you can make quizzes for the students or online games and then students will use their devices to answer the questions that you pose. In my school we use that a lot in class for student engagement and um, posing reviews for resources or for lessons but online I saw a huge reaction from my students because it was a structure that they had seen in class and when I had given that to them within the first week of remote learning it really brought on a sense of structure and something that the students were used to. So when I used the separate website with them, um, I had also used a Desmos activity, which is graphing, and you can really get into the conceptual pieces of math. They were more than willing to try that out. So I think it was starting small with something that they had been used to and then throwing in those extra websites and activities because it 
really opened up their minds to what else is out there on the internet where they could also learn math. That's really fascinating. One of the things that I'm, um, uh, one of the connections I guess I'm making there is how the face-to-face -face relationships you had with students seem to have built a certain level of trust and culture within your class, that, which was something you were able to build upon in the online environment. Is that fair to say? 100%. I had always learned when I was becoming a teacher that building relationships is the foundation to running your classroom. The management will come, the teaching will come, but you need to have relationships with every single student that walks through your door. So when we were posed with this remote learning challenge, I kind of took it back to day one and said, okay, I have in-person relationships with my students, but now I need to create a virtual relationship with them. And from day one, I made a welcome video for my students that I put in Google Classroom before I posted any assignments. And I reviewed just the structure of how Google Classroom would work, but then I was just honest with them. And I was like, I have no idea what is going to happen in the next couple of months, but I care about you first. The math will come, but as long as you are healthy, your family is healthy, I want to make sure that everyone is okay. And then we'll deal with the math. But I really tried to stress to my students that even though we're not seeing each other face to face, I'm still here with you. I'm still commenting, I'm making videos for you. So they're still interacting with me on a daily basis, but I cared about them first. Wow. It strikes me how what you're describing is it's really like a, it's a dance between kind of addressing students' social emotional needs and also academic requirements. Um, how, like, can you maybe say a little more about that? Like, are there times, especially like, it's, it's really uh, one of the things we hear a lot, like in the headlines and as we're thinking about going into next year, which will almost certainly con contain a pretty hefty virtual component to it. Um, it's interesting to me how like we try to talk about what's going on in purely academic terms, right? It's about covering standards. It's about the concern about the tests. It's about, you know, will students learn what they need to learn? But what you're saying, too, is like it's, their social emotional needs are, are really priority uh, when it comes down to it. So how, how do you like how do you how do you, I guess, occupy that space? Like, how do you figure out like when a social emotional need might be getting in the way of academic learning and when is an academic focus getting in the way of the social emotional? Like, can you just say a little more about that? Sure. So speaking on the social emotional part, I just made sure that even when I was giving feedback to my students, it wasn't always, hey, I noticed you missed this assignment. Please turn it in as soon as you can. I changed up the feedback that I was giving. And instead of commenting on the math, that's all I said was, hey, how are you doing? And when I started saying that to my students, normally when I commented on the math, I would get a response or two back. But then when I started asking, hey, how are you doing? Within 10 minutes, I would get a flood of emails from students just responding to that. And that opened up a conversation between me and the student talking about what's going on at home. How are they feeling? Are they stressed with their other classes? Are they stressed with my class? And then within that conversation, we eventually talked about maybe the struggles they had with the assignment or if they did hand it in, if they need something more challenging. So just simply asking, how are you doing? was a different way that I changed the feedback from what I was giving my students and still embedding the math discussion that I need to have with them as well. And then on the flip side, when math can get in the way or even when assignments can get in the way, when I start noticing students who are always handing in assignments or who I know will be handing in one or two assignments a week, and I start seeing fewer and fewer assignments from them, 
that's when I know I definitely need to push a little harder and make sure I get in contact with them or someone from my school's outreach team will get in contact with them to make sure that we're addressing the reason as to why they may not be completing the assignments um, at the usual rate that they are. So there are a bunch of different ways that we're reaching out to the students, either through Google Classroom, um, sending them emails, and just always checking in on them and making sure that it's not always pressing, why aren't you doing this assignment? Making sure everything's on time, it's how are you? How is your family? Um, what's going on in your life? And making that line of communication open. Kaylin, I've worked with a lot of teachers over the years, like, like hundreds, if not thousands. I don't know, I've, I've lost count. <laughs> But, um, but let me just say like, you're doing so much really, really well. And just the way you're talking about kind of treating your, your students as, you know, as human beings who are processing trauma and fear, um, and, you know, and really trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to honor that while at the same time, I'm also trying to honor the fact that, you know, there's, there's, um, there's academic, you know, work to be done too. And, and it's a way to grow and, and it's a way to help them better understand their worlds. But you're doing a beautiful job of, of, of really paying attention to both the social, emotional and the academic. So um, that's just a little, you know, kudos and feedback for you. You're doing really, really, really well there. Um, I'm curious too, as we think about like families, are there, are there things that you think families might be able to do to better support their children learning at home, especially as, again, as we can see, there's all sorts of signals saying that the fall's, the fall's not gonna look like last fall. Um, and so it'd be really great if you have any insights that, that you think families might benefit from in terms of how they can support their, their children's learning. Yeah, I think that creating a schedule or some type of structure at home for learning is really important. I know I have a lot of students who are in homes where they have multiple um, students who need one device. So a student may not be able to keep up with daily assignments and the only time they could access the computer is on Fridays. So I think creating a schedule within multiple family members who need to complete remote learning assignments is really important. Um, and even just creating a structure within their day, what time they're getting up. They don't have to get up at seven o'clock or whatever time they were originally getting up for, to go to school, but just having a wake up time when they're going to eat breakfast, um, maybe setting a set time to say, okay, this is when I'm doing my English assignments. This is when, um, you know, my sibling is going to do their science assignments. So I think creating that structure within when um, assignments can be done and when technology can be used is really important. But also from parents, just telling your student that you're encouraging them, they can do this. Um, we know it's a difficult time, but just sharing that they are more than capable of succeeding um, on June 26 and getting a good report card. And if they ask, if your student asks for help, just being positive about it and saying, even if it's math, that's another subject that a lot of people shy away from. Just not being shy from relearning the math and going to Google and maybe trying to figure out how to solve a problem. Um, I think that could also really encourage students as well. Uh, that's some great advice. I can I can say as a parent, I've absolutely found myself, you know, <laughs> um, relearning fifth grade math, um, and you know, and not being shy about you know uh, do, doing exactly what you're saying, looking up videos, trying to understand, you know, what um, what's really being asked in a question, um, and it's it can it can be really challenging, and some families don't necessarily have 
a lot of adult presence at home too while while children are, are experiencing this but you know that idea of, of being patient being supportive um you know and i think i think always i think i've found too as a parent like just acknowledging the fact like this isn't normal you know this isn't the way any of this is supposed to go you know your your this isn't the way your teachers want it to go this isn't the way you know anybody really intends and so we're all just going to try to do the best we can um sometimes just brings the brings the pressure level down um you know one final question for you um is we also know right now too that like school officials are trying to wrap their heads around what next year might look like and how best to support teachers um you know do you have any like based on your experiences do you have any ideas on that like if if there were particular things you think like the central doe or the districts could do um that might be able to you know better support teachers in managing this do you have any ideas Sure. So if we are looking at a remote learning model for the fall, I think that this will have two parts to it. The first part in supporting teachers is to support our students. And it's making sure that every single student has a device and a working device. Like I said, a few of my students just received their devices last week. um, And some of the students who have had devices, now their devices no longer work. So making sure that the students have working devices will help the teachers to know that students can actually complete their assignments. Um, and also a lot of my students are living in households where they have brothers, sisters, siblings, cousins who are all living in this household and they're only sharing one device, making it impossible for everyone to complete their assignments. So if more than one device could be given to a household, that would definitely support teachers as well, knowing that their students can complete their assignments. To directly support teachers, I also think that we need to make sure that our students can finish the day saying, today I learned something. Um, What I'm hearing a lot from my students is that, yes, they're completing the assignments, yes, they're taking the quizzes that I'm giving them, but back in March when they thought they would still have to take the Regents, they were telling me how nervous they were and how they thought that they were going to fail. Like they weren't, they didn't feel like they were walking away learning something. So I think that teachers need support in how to use resources appropriately, different formative assessment tools, online curriculum materials, and maybe teachers even could be trained on how to create effective virtual classrooms to make sure that if we do have to take the regents at the end of next year, then our students will be prepared and that this crazy time will not affect their academic learning. Um, And lastly, in the fall, we'll be given a completely new set of students. So we'll need to build relationships with new students virtually, which is something that we've never done. Luckily this year, we were given a couple months to know our students, but we have a new set of students coming in the September. So I think that another way that teachers can gain support is how to build those relationships from the ground up with a new set of students. We need to make sure that these students are trusting us from the get-go And once that trust is built virtually, then online schooling will also be successful. A special thanks is in order to Caitlin and to New Visions for sharing their work with others. It's certainly given me a lot to think about, about balancing social emotional with academic needs, both for my own son and also for the school citywide. That's all for this episode, but our engagement doesn't have to stop here. As always, you can visit us at InsideSchools.org for independent reviews of city schools and sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll also find us pretty active on our Facebook page and Twitter. And you can now leave us a voicemail question via our podcast homepage. Finally, 
please consider subscribing to our podcast. And if the spirit moves you, leave us feedback. It means a lot. And I'll add one more thing to that. If you have, if you enjoy these podcasts, then consider sharing it with a friend. Send them a text right now when you get off the episode. Just find the little link to share and, and share it with them. Until next time, I'm Tom Liam Lynch, and I'll see you online.